So last week, last week we kicked off a series called, If I Were a Missionary. Everybody say missionary. missionary. If I were a missionary. And we kind of like went through some ideas, some preconceived notions of, uh, of what we might have or what we might think of when we think of the term and the word missionary. This series is meant to help us obtain a missionary's mentality when it comes to carrying out the mission of God here on this earth. Last week, we asked ourselves the question, if I were a missionary, who would I serve? If I were a missionary, who would I serve? We talked about the fact that, that, that when, you're living, when you're living a spirit-filled life, look, I didn't even know that was still in there. When you're living a spirit-filled life, God gives you this holy discontent. There's this, there's this thing, there's this, there's this happening that, that when you see it, it almost instantly brings you to tears. Or it gets you up out of your chair and you're like, man, somebody's really got to do something about that. That holy discontent is not wrong. It's not the wrong kind of anger that I believe was given by God. And we need to lean into what, to what God is trying to communicate to us. We also talked about the fact that Jesus came here for what he describes as the poor, the captive, the blind, the oppressed, the reality is all of us have been placed in a situation by God to be in relationships right now with people who are poor or captive or blind or oppressed. It's not just this big giant conversation. It's also very small practical things that are keeping people poor, that are keeping people, that are people, keeping people captive to their sin. They're unable to overcome the things that they're wrestling with. There are some people who are genuinely blind. I don't think that's tough to see. Look at your time timeline, right? Like there are people who genuinely are unaware of the movement of the spirit in our world. And there are people who are genuinely being held down by other powers and people at, at hand and, not, and being prevented from moving forward. This week, this week we move to answer the question, if I were a missionary, where would I go? If I were a missionary, where would I go? Okay, I hear what you're saying about the poor, the oppressed, the blind, the captive. I get that, right? I'm with that. Holy discontent, some people in my life. Okay, I get that. But where do I go? When I was 14 years old, was the, that was the first time I ever left the country. I went to, I went to a country called Peru in South America, and, and, and I literally didn't know anything about it other than it was considered a third world country and I couldn't drink the water. That was all I knew. I knew that, I knew that, um, that my parents were excited for me to go. I knew that I was going to be, you know, working and doing things, but that was it. That was the extent of my knowledge. What I found there, what I found there was relationships relationships that would literally change my life forever. Relationships that would cause me to go back and have a more intimate connection with a specific with a specific place and a specific people that I never honestly anticipated. And after going there just one time, not one more time did I think to myself, "Oh, I'm going to Peru, a country where all this pain and wild statistics exist." Not one more time did I think that. Instead, what I thought about my journeys was, oh, Peru, 
That's my people. Yeah, I'm going to where Ruth lives. I'm going to where Natalie lives. I'm going to where Jose lives, where Felix and Erica live. I'm going to where Wilmer's at. I'm going to see my people. See, my mentality shift. It wasn't about a place or some wild statistics that we, that we put on brochures to compel people to care. It was about a people that I met there. When I moved to Canton 10 years ago, you better believe everybody and their mother told me every negative thing and statistic they could about this city. But what I met when I got here wasn't a city that necessarily lived up to, it, to, its, to its scary hype. It was a people that God put it in my heart to love. Not one day goes by that I think I'm in this city to eradicate some wild statistics. But every morning I wake up, I think it's about being with the people that I interact with on a daily basis and wanting everyone I cross to know and love Jesus a little bit more than they did this morning. We say a lot of goofy things when it comes to being sent out on mission. We say a lot of goofy things. And this isn't meant to make fun of you. It's meant to challenge the way that you think. I've heard it said, I feel called to Africa. Allow me to humbly interject just one moment. What does that mean? Can I ask you to be more specific? What does it mean to be called to a continent that has 54 countries and hundreds, if not thousands of cultures and people groups? You feel me? I believe that I would, like, I would like to contend that we need to shift our mindsets of where. I believe that we need to shift our mindset to understand that the answer to where is much less about a geographic location and it's much more about people and relationships the Lord compels us to reach and foster. Does that make sense? If you're still with me, I would like you to join me in Scripture. Open your physical Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. You'll find it in the New Testament. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke. It's the third book in there. We're going to go to the 10th chapter. You'll notice that's indicated by the big number 10, and we're actually going to start at the beginning. So just find the big number 10, and you're in there. If you do not have your physical Bible with you, let me encourage you to bring that with you. If you don't have one, come holler at me. We'll get you hooked up. If you believe that you can hold off the temptation of the devil to stay off of Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, all that jazz, go crazy and open the Bible app. Otherwise, my brothers and sisters, it's right up here on the screen. It's, it's right here for you. All right. So join me. Luke chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 1. We're going to read the first four together for, for the beginning. All right. Here we go. It says this. The Lord, meaning Jesus, now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are very few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the field. Now go and remember that I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor even an extra pair of sandals. And don't stop to greet anyone on the road. First thing we got to deal with this morning is verse 1. Some, some of your translations are going to say that Jesus sent out 72. 
Other translations are going to say that Jesus sent out 70. And while the exact number is impossible to actually know, what's actually important is what the number symbolizes, not which one it actually is. Long story short, the, the, the discrepancy all comes back to which, tr- which, which ancient manuscript your translation chooses to pull from out of, out of, out of the Greek, right? But, but, but the significance of the number is found in its symbolism. The number 70 or 72 represents the number of nations in the world that are listed by the Jews in Genesis 10. This is intended to indicate to us that the gospel is for the whole world. The gospel is being sent to every nation. The gospel is sent for all people. Or it could symbolize the number of elders that that surrounded Moses. This is meant to symbolize the fact that Jesus is the new Moses, that Jesus is here to deliver a new slave. Jesus is meant to liberate all people. Or it could be the number of members of the Sanhedrin, these people who should know the law well enough to know that they should be anticipating the coming of the Messiah, but for some reason have put blindfolds on and refuse to acknowledge the fact that it's Jesus and he's standing right in front of them. Either way, it's meant to symbolize the fact that the Lord has every intention and every purpose of going to reach all people, reaching every nation, every people, every part of society until all have been given an opportunity to to hear and respond the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the point. And then he says, you're being sent out as sheep, as lambs, cute, sweet, innocent, sometimes smelly lambs, Amongst a whole lot of wolves, I don't know how much you know about animals. I don't know nearly as much as I should, but here's, here, here's what you can guarantee. Being a lamb, walking around through a whole pack of wolves is not safe. You ain't making it. Not most likely. Wolves want to eat you. They want to tear you apart. He says, where I'm sending you, that's what it's like. So here's what we shouldn't assume. We shouldn't assume that our, that our calculated bias is an indicator of where God is or isn't sending us. We shouldn't assume that those people who make us most frustrated, we shouldn't assume that those people who make us most angry, we shouldn't assume that that people we're most afraid of is not where God is sending us. We shouldn't assume that. We shouldn't assume that. Jesus says this is not going to be easy. Oh, you feel uncomfortable? Oh, my sorry. I'm sorry. Let me tell you about some nails. No, no, no. We'll get to that later. I'm sorry about your discomfort, but the gospel is bigger than that. Jesus says this isn't going to be easy. You're going to be lambs among wolves. You're going to feel scared. You're going to worry about the things that you're going to lose. And on top of that, don't you dare even take anything with you. Because I don't want the chance that you can fall back on anything that makes you more comfortable or makes you self-reliant. That's not the point of this. 
Jesus says, I am calling you to go to a position and to a circumstance where your own self-ability cannot possibly achieve the goal. You have to rely on me. Because what Jesus knows is that in him, we already have everything that we need. We've already been equipped with everything that's required. Everything's already been prepared for us. Jesus knows that. He says what, what you need and what the people need, ironically, is the same thing. You're not the Savior. I'm the Savior. Because the thing that you need and what the people need is me. It's the message. It's the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ, not Corey Hunka. That's what's important. And oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't even stop and greet anyone on the road. That one always gets me because I'm like, that's low-key rude, like, to be honest with you. Like. But Jesus is not being rude. He's speaking to a specific cultural thing. He's like, look, I know how y'all are. I know how when you get going on the road and you pass somebody, you're liable to strike up a conversation that's meaningless. You're liable to be going down the road and be like, hey, bro, I like your camel. Oh, for real? Yeah, I got an Ahmed's. Oh, Ahmed's? Bet I heard about Ahmed's. Actually, I just read an article about Ahmed's. I heard it was really good. Google review gives it like four and a half stars. Oh, where? what article did you read? I don't know. It was in the Times. Really? I write for the Times. Wait, 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 wait. You're Jew and I, 44707? Yeah, that's me. Oh, bro, I love your work. I've been following you on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for years. Really? What's your tag? I'm going to hit you back. Bro, we should go talk about it somewhere. We're liable to get into that. That's us. And Jesus says, that's meaningless. That's a waste of my time. I need you to go with a sense of urgency. Let me ask you this. Are you willing? Are you actually like, ain't nobody going to hear your thoughts but God, right? I know that's scary, but like the person next to you is not going to know your answer to this. Genuinely answer this question. Are you willing? To go out as a lamb amongst wolves. Are you really willing to do that? Here's the thing, guys. The created world, the world that God created has fallen. And therefore, the world that we live in is now hostile towards the message of the gospel. It doesn't matter which side of the aisle you sit on. The world that we live in is hostile to some aspect of the gospel. Every time. Every time. It's not safe for us to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ in our own worlds. Yet sometimes we still make these excuses. We make all these reasonings and rationales as to, as to why our workplace or the people that we're around all, all the time are not a safe place for us to share our faith. Well, Jesus doesn't promise that it's going to be a safe place to share your faith. A lot of times... We talk about what parts of our jobs or our schools or our relationships are unsafe. Well, that can't be what God intends for me because it would cost me. Well, wouldn't you know it that Luke chapter 9, right before Jesus says this, Jesus says, I want you to consider the cost. I want you to consider what it's going to cost you to follow me. And if you ain't willing to pay that cost, I don't want you to follow. It's going to cost you something. He expects us to put our hands to the plow. This is what he says in Luke 9. He expects us to put our hands to the plow and not look back. Yeah. Amen. 
Are you willing for God to send you out as a lamb among wolves? Are you willing to stick it out and be obedient in sharing what God is doing in your life? Because I promise if he's doing something in your life and he's also placing you around specific people, guess what? That's not an accident. God's infinitely more creative than us. His design is perfect and beyond our comprehension. He did that mess on purpose. Let's keep going. Verse five. It's a good one. If if you're uncomfortable, it's okay. This one might make you feel better. Here we go. Verse five. Jesus says, whenever you enter someone's home, I want you to first say, may God's peace be on this house. And here's what happens. If those who live there are peaceful, if they are receptive, if they are ready and they are willing, the blessing will stand. If they're not, that blessing will come back to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you, heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. But if a town refuses to welcome you, If it just refuses to receive your message, I want you to go out into the streets. I want you to say, we wipe even the dust of your town from our feet to show that we've abandoned you to your faith. But know this, the kingdom of God is near. I assure you, even wicked Sodom will be better off than such a town on judgment day. And then let's just drop down to verse 16, just for funsies. Verse 16 says, then he said to the disciples, anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. Anyone who rejects your message is rejecting me. And anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. God isn't telling people to go to like a super specific place. What Jesus is telling them to do is to go to people. He doesn't say go to like that land over there and like stand there. Jesus says, go door to door. Go to people's house. Let's consider for a second what's in somebody's house. What's in somebody's house is their family. What's in somebody's house is their friends, their people, their livelihoods, the things that they like and the things that they like to do. Jesus is telling, I want you to go into people's lives. I want you to go door to door to people's lives until you find somebody that's receptive to you. Who's the person that is welcoming you in? Who's the person in your life that just seems to be supernaturally receptive to you and you don't even get it? They call that in the Bible being a person of peace. Jesus says, where I send you, there's a person of peace there waiting for you. Somebody who's gonna welcome you in, who's gonna love you, who's gonna, who's gonna like you just cause you don't even get it. And when you get there, when you get there, what I need you to do is stay there. Stay there. It's important that when somebody in a relationship is open and receptive to you and willing to hear you out and willing to hear about what's going on in your life, it's important that you actually share that with them. He says, accept hospitality. These people are going to serve you. I want you to eat or drink whatever they serve. He's talking to a bunch of Jews who were scared to go to Gentiles because their food was unclean. But Jesus says, I've made all things clean because I'm trying to bring people together. 
Don't worry about what you do or don't like. Don't worry about the safety of what you're going to eat. Don't worry about the security of where you're going to sleep. He said, that stuff ain't important. I'm sorry about your comfort. That's not important. The relationship's important. Go there. Sleep where they tell you to sleep. Eat what they got for you. Don't worry about it. But, but that seems crazy. Isn't that crazy, this idea that we could be surrounded by wolves? And yet in the middle of the, of the wolves, in the middle of what seems like a war zone, we could be welcomed. But that's what's going to happen. And then he says, then he says, if, if you don't find favor, if you don't find that somebody is welcoming you there, I still want you to proclaim the gospel. Just because somebody's closed off and rude doesn't mean you can just be like, oh, well, Jesus got to deal with them. I'm out. You still got to let them know. Just because they go to Walsh doesn't mean we can write them off entirely. Just because they live in Maslin and they wear orange doesn't mean we can write them off entirely. Unfortunately, we still got to tell them. <laughs> we still got to tell them the gospel, but then, but then Jesus says, don't waste no more time. Don't waste no more breath. I need you to brush your shoulders off and keep it pushing. Believe it or not, I know it's hard to believe, but I didn't just walk in this neighborhood and instantly like get accepted and become everyone's best friend. I know it's difficult to believe. There were people of peace. There were key people that I met, key relationships that God placed in front of me to foster and to be obedient to. First kid that ever walked in this gym was a kid named Arlo. He lives a couple doors down. Kid named Arlo, and that relationship made it okay for other high school and middle school students to come in here. And that relationship made it okay for me to be in here too. A few years ago, I met this dude named Dan. Dan took me to the administrative building downtown, and he made it okay for me to walk into any Canton City school I want to and minister to their students. There are people of peace along the way that we're going to meet that's going to open a door for us that we didn't even realize was, 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 was possible out here. It's those relationships that we're called to foster. Who's the person of peace that's in your life right now? And if you don't know, I, I, I would hope that you would begin praying and, and, and being open to that. Who's the person or the people that just welcome you and that they're supernaturally receptive to you? Because you need to know it's important for you to stay and invest in those relationships. God has given you peace and an open door to minister and make his gospel known. And that is a big deal. On the flip side, and this one's hard, what are the places and who are the people that you need to move on from? Yeah, that one stung. I felt it too. It gets so tricky too because you're like, no, no, no. If I just stay in this relationship, they could change. I just got to tell you, it ain't going to happen. Amen. If they're not open and receptive to the gospel, it ain't going to happen. If they're not open and receptive to that, to that spiritual part of you, not even like a little bit, you're spinning your tires, you're wasting your breath. It ain't going to move. And that's hard because we don't want to give people over. 
Well, I'm afraid of what'll happen if I, if I don't keep trying. I'm afraid of what'll happen if I don't keep screaming Jesus at this closed door. I'm afraid of what's gonna happen. That's not for you. That's a closed door. That's not for you. That's for God to deal with. And we gotta trust that God deals justly with all people. That's not for you. If you've tried peacefully, if you've come for the right reasons, if you've made an effort to share God's word, but the receptivity is not there, it's time for you to dust your shoes off and keep moving. But let's look at this. Look at this. Verse 17. It gets, it gets so good. So good. Gotta love the word, man. It's so good in here. If y'all not reading this all the time, like, get in it. It's so good. Verse 17 says, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to them a bunch of lambs sent out to live and minister a message that's not received amongst a whole bunch of wolves came back happy. They said, Lord, you ain't going to believe this. Even the demons obeyed us when we use your name. Yes, he told them. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. You can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. So the disciples come back and they're geeked. They're loaded. They're excited. They're like, yo, what, what, what happened was we were scared, right? When you said I was going to go over there and I was going to meet some people, I was scared. But I ain't, ain't going to hold you, man. I was scared to death. And, but I went there anyway because I was more scared of you than I was them. And so I kept walking. I kept walking. I see what you do, Jesus. It's some wild stuff. But I kept walking. And when I got over there, you wouldn't believe it. There were some people that actually welcomed me in. And, and they made me f- some food. And I never had food like that. But Jesus, you wouldn't believe it. It was like, it was so good, dude. It was so good. And then what happened was I, I, out the back room, they brought me somebody who was sick and I was like well I think Jesus told me to like pray for this one time so I was like hey Jesus uh, uh God would you be willing to heal this person and then bam they started walking again and I was like oh my goodness there's somebody who was just absolutely tripping talking like gnashing teeth and just like going crazy a little foam at the mouth like I don't know I thought they got bit by a dog but they say it wasn't no dogs so I was like well that demon's got to come out of there Satan bam you're gone and then guess what it happened they were gone And then I just came running back here. I I didn't tell him, bye, I forgot. I'll send a text later. But I had to come tell you that was awesome. I had to come tell you. And then Jesus looks at him and he's like, yeah. He's like, guys, I'm so glad you experienced that because guess what? I've been trying to tell you. He said, he, he said, I watched this, 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 this thief, Satan, try and lead a rebellion and step to my dad. And guess what? I watched him get smacked right up out the sky. Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? This man, Satan, this little crooked guy, he came up on me in the desert. And guess what? He used my own poems. He used my own words, things that I've been writing for a long time. He twisted them around. He tried to come at me with them. But guess what? I smacked him too and he's gone. Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? This is what's about to happen. He's going to think he got the best of me soon. It's coming soon. He's going to think he got the best of me because here's what's going to happen. He's going to get in some people's ears. He's going to convince them to go crucify me. They're going to put me up on this tree. I'm going to hang there. I'm going to bleed out and I'm going to die. And then they're going to put me real, real, real deep into this tomb and they're going to celebrate because they're going to think they won. But guess what? Guess what? Guess what? I'm coming. I'm coming about that tomb. I'm coming fresh. I'm coming uninjured and I'm coming with his keys to his car and his people. So 
so don't you dare. Don't you dare be surprised. Yeah, they obey you. There's some chumps. There's some suckers. I'm the real deal. You rock with me, they have to obey. You're gonna overcome. I've given you that power. I've given you that authority. It's gonna happen. It's for real. And don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. He says, he says, don't even, don't even get all boastful. Don't even get all proud. Don't even puff your, puff your chest out none when they have to obey you. Instead, be excited that that's evidence of your inheritance in eternity. Casting out demons is great. Listen to this. Casting out demons is great. But wait till we get to the world where there is no evil. Healing sickness is incredible. But wait till all who believe walk in full health. Hallelujah. Raising from the dead is pretty dope. But wait till the reality of the sting of death is a thing of the past. Exercising such power and authority is exhilarating. But wait till we get to live in the fullness of God's presence for eternity. If you don't know the hope and the authority that I'm talking about this morning, I need you to come see me after this. Yeah. I need you to come talk to me because I need you to know that God knows what the struggle is. God knows what's going on. God knows the storm and the wolves that are tearing you apart. God knows. And God has written before you were even born a solution. God provided before you even a thought to your mother a way out. God left us a message, not of being condemned and going to hell, but of hope and of life. And God wants you to come accept that. God wants you to have the confidence to look anxiety and depression in the face and say, no. God wants you to have the strength to look at cancer and say, you're from the devil, no. God wants you, God wants you to be able to overcome these things. There's not a plague on earth that wasn't meant to be overcome. And we've seen that when death couldn't even hold him. Jesus wants you to win. He wants you to win. And if you don't know that, if you haven't received that, if you're not living into that, come see me when I'm done, please. Because I need you to know. And if you do know Jesus as Lord is your life, then we should expect authority and victory over the enemy. Where do you need to proclaim victory right now? Where have you been struggling? What relationships are weighing your conscience down? Where do you need to take Jesus' white flag of freedom and stick it right in the ground? Where do you need to lean into the victory that's promised? Third Street, I need you to catch this and then I'm out your way. We are a people being sent not necessarily to a geographic location. Although if you want one, I'm gonna tell you Canton, but I'm biased. <laughs> We're not being sent to a geographic location. We're being sent to a people, to relationships, to homes, to coworkers, to classmates. Everywhere people exist, that's where we're being sent. And it's not easy. In fact, Jesus guarantees it's not gonna be easy. But for those seeking to serve God's mission, living by the promptings of the Spirit, God tells us we will find favor somewhere. 
we'll find favor with someone. Somebody's going to welcome us in, and when they do, we need to stay there. And God promises victory over whatever those relationships bring up, over whatever those situations and circumstances provide. God promises victory. We just need to live into it. Church, will you go on mission today? Do you know that your where is a who? And will you go there today? Do you recognize that people are the where? We're being sent. Let's get after it.